Hello and welcome to Mental Awakening, the podcast that explores all topics related to trauma recovery, mental health, chronic pain, and healing. I'm your host, Sarah DeKeeley, psychotherapist and mental health social worker. And in this episode, I will speak about emotional overwhelm, what it means and how it can impact our health and well-being. I will offer tools and strategies for some of the ways we try to support ourselves through the challenges that come with feeling both physically and mentally overwhelmed. Hi everybody, welcome back. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2024. I deliberately wanted to give myself a couple of weeks before I dived in and recorded this month's podcast episode because... Despite having had a few days off during the Christmas period, it's been a lot, you know, life in general has increased in its speed and I feel that is the case for many of us. And one of the common themes that keeps coming through for me in my work with others is this topic of overwhelm, physical overwhelm, mental overwhelm. And everything that kind of falls under that, right? So feeling overwhelmed is a symptom of stress. And it affects the majority of us. In fact, most people experience overwhelm, which leads to burnout eventually um, in today's world. And it even impacts children. And it's caused by the sense that your stress somehow outweighs your coping abilities. So when experiencing overwhelm, you might feel like you have too much on your plate, not enough time to get things done, or completely burned out and there's no energy whatsoever. And if you're overwhelmed, you might experience also emotions such as anxiety, irritability, anger, depression, and they may increase, you know, in, in their intensity. And so it's a really important topic to, to talk about and to become aware of and mindful of as we move into yet another new year. So if you're overwhelmed, um, what is it that you often tend to experience? Let's first explore what causes overwhelm. And there are many causes of stress and overwhelm, but some of the main ones are responsibilities, right? Whether it's work responsibilities, family responsibilities, um, passion project responsibilities, and you know things like relationship stressors, traumatic experiences, financial worries, health concerns, future concerns, as well as things like, you know, political issues or environmental warnings and issues, things that we get to watch on the news or living in a, in a world that is becoming more and more stressful. There's a lot more stimulation. There's a lot more um, that we get subjected to. And we don't often necessarily get enough time to really repair and regulate our nervous system. And if you, like myself, are a highly sensitive person, and let's say you're also dealing with chronic physical or mental health conditions, 
on top of everything else that I've just mentioned, then it's completely natural that it would get overwhelming because that's a lot. We live in a world where we are constantly bombarded with these messages of having to be successful, right? Having to look a certain way, having to feel a certain way, be a certain way. So there's this, you know, constant high expectation as well as what we, you know, the pressures that we place on ourselves because of our culture. You know, this modern world is full of um, images of what it means to be living a happy, healthy life. And some of these standards are often quite unrealistic and it can lead to a sense of inadequacy and the feeling that we're never doing enough, that we need to do more, that we never have enough time, that everything we do is not enough. So high expectations on top of excessive responsibilities that often come from work-related tasks, family commitments, social obligations, as well as, you know, that sensory overload like I was referring to just earlier, all of these contribute to experiencing overwhelm. We live in this digital age where there's a constant influx of notifications, news, noise, you know, and then of course we have to bear in mind that we also have these unresolved traumas, right? These neural pathways in our brain, these trauma patterns where seemingly, you know, innocent situations can perhaps even trigger um, a response, you know, on a subconscious level that reminds us of a past event or a past trauma. And then there's also biological factors, you know, neurological and hormonal imbalances can also play a role. As an example, during um, certain times of the month, as a female, I become quite hormonal and I experience um, a lot more overwhelm or perhaps um, the state of unrest from within myself because of my hormones, because of that time of the month, because of what is happening inside of my biology, inside of my body and physiology. And obviously there's also people who have certain diagnoses such as ADHD or, um, you know, anxiety disorder, which can exasperate these feelings of overwhelm and bring them on a lot more quickly. And we also have this thing where when we lack control or, or, or when we have a perception that there is this lack of control, we can start to feel overwhelmed. Because as human beings, we have this inherent desire to some degree have control over our lives. And when we um, are faced with unexpected challenges or situations where you know, we experience this perception that the control has been stripped away, or perhaps it's not just a perception, it actually is being stripped away, like during a pandemic or suddenly losing your job or the loss of a loved one or the loss of an income or, and so on. Feelings of helplessness and overwhelm can really take that center stage. It can really take over. So there is this fear of unknown and that ambiguity about the future or the outcomes of specific events that can really stir up um, that inner 
overwhelm, right? Not knowing what to expect, not knowing what's going to happen, not being able to predict certain outcomes. It can really heighten our sense of overwhelm. There is a beautiful quote by Khalil Gibran, who's this ancient poet, where he says, our anxiety does not come from thinking about the future, but from wanting to control it. And I really love that. So how do you know if you're emotionally overwhelmed? Often, some of the things that we can experience in terms of symptoms is that there is this constant stress. It's not just occasional stress, like what we all experience and what's necessary for us to experience. It's good for our nervous system to experience occasional stress and also for it to be flexible. Like for example, before a big presentation or an important event, I'm referring to stress that is constant, that this, there's this weight on your shoulders that never lifts, that everything that you do, even the small mundane tasks seem too much, seem overwhelming. So that's one sign that you're overwhelmed when there's a constant feeling of stress. Another sign is that you're feeling anxiety on a daily basis. Thoughts of what if and worst case scenarios are constantly on your mind. So there's this pervasive anxiety that goes beyond typical worries and can pretty much affect your everyday functioning. Another sign is feeling easily irritable. So when we're overwhelmed, our emotional you know, resources or reservoir is pretty much depleted. So it means that our tolerance for additional stresses, even the tiniest ones, becomes extremely low. So we start to become snappy. We get frustrated over tiny things. We experience constant road rage um, when we're driving and we feel restless. So these are little signs that are really important to take note of. These are little red flags that you're experiencing overwhelm. There's also difficulty focusing. So that's another sign. There's a, you know, an overwhelmed mind can often feel quite chaotic and cluttered. And it makes it really difficult for us to focus on the task that's in front of us. We tend to always think about the next thing that we have to do and never really fully finish what's quite in front of us. So emotional overwhelm could be, you know, the base, at the base of that, you know, of you losing track of your thoughts or struggling with decision making or feeling paralyzed when trying to start something. Physically, some of the things to bear in mind are that um, symptoms can include headaches, chronic, you know, stomach disturbances, muscle tension, sleep disturbances, just generally feeling uneasy. And these are signs that we shouldn't really ignore because they signal that our body is reacting to emotional stress. Another sign is um, avoidant behavior. So that desire to escape and avoid situations. And that can show up as procrastination, socially withdrawing, or even using certain substances like drinking as a way to cope. And then also we have emotional exhaustion in general, which is of course a sign on its own. And that's when you're just emotionally, energetically drained. You just can't express 
happiness and joy. You can't express excitement or even, in fact, any emotion with intensity. So you're kind of stuck in that free state of your nervous system. And it's a bit like we're running on an empty emotional tank, feeling quite muted and distant. And it's important to note that emotional overwhelm isn't just in your head. It really involves both mental and physical symptoms. And, and it just profoundly impacts your overall well-being and the way you live your life. So how can we support our overwhelm? Once you have identified and acknowledged that that's what you're experiencing, it's important to, you know, to support it. And the first step towards that is by identifying what is actually causing you to feel overwhelmed. Get to the source of what's causing the overwhelm. Reflect on what areas of your life are contributing to your stress. And then consider what specifically is causing me to feel overwhelmed in this area of my life. Is it my thoughts about the actual situation or is it something in particular that, that, that's actually contributing towards the overwhelm? The next thing is to see if you can give yourself a bit of space from the environment that you're in. So that could be any, anything from actually, you know, driving to nature for a day or a half day um, or to just get away for, let's say, even a couple of days if you can, if it's possible, if not a couple of hours to just get a better, you know, change the environment and get better perspective, to practice mindfulness and grounding techniques and to reconnect to the wisdom, to the inner wisdom of your body. You may have heard when emotions are high, intelligence is low. So when you're overwhelmed, don't try to think your way out of it. Use your nervous system and the mind-body connection as your life vest, you know, Start doing body scans, begin to track your body. What sensations do I feel in my body? And just really describe them for yourself quietly out loud. I'm feeling heaviness, I'm feeling tightness, I'm feeling throbbing and achy, I'm feeling pins and needles, or I'm feeling tension. And try your best if you can to steer away, to call them just pain, but really become quite descriptive. Do these sensations move in any direction? And see if you can follow where the sensation takes you while breathing into these spaces. Are there any areas of your body that you can actually turn to that feel more neutral or that feel pleasurable, that feel content, that feel safe? So set the tone for curiosity with yourself and all of your sensations. And this is something you can do anywhere, whether it's in the shower, in the bath, in your backyard, on your bed, going out to nature, really just building on that reconnection to the body. Because you likely find that any negative feelings such as overwhelm, and let me just rephrase that because I, I want to steer away from calling any emotion or sensation as negative. Just feelings of overwhelm will start to lessen. So what seems catastrophic or life-threatening, you know, is somehow calmer, you know, and it becomes a bit more grounded. It's almost like you have calibrated your nervous system to a more regulated state and can actively use your thinking brain to help you manage that overwhelm. 
in my own journey and experience of understanding my emotional overwhelm, I have come to recognize the importance of connecting with the body, tuning inward as opposed to outward. And this is really hard to do in the beginning because it really does take practice. But the better you get at it, actually, let me rephrase that. It's not about getting better. It's about becoming more comfortable, more consistent. The more empowered you will actually feel because if you rush, you can't soothe unrest. You can only soothe your body at the body's pace, right? And so connecting with the body is incredibly important. And some people say to me, well, isn't it, you know, a bit indulgent or selfish to constantly be, you know, so full of ourselves and focusing on ourselves? And I always tell them, well, who and what else do you want to be full of? Or would you really want to be empty of yourself? Because you can only truly give from a place of fullness. If you neglect yourself, then you start to feel depleted, right? And that becomes the reservoir from which you give. So you have to first fill your cup before you can actually give. And this is something I'm so much more conscious of these days, even when it comes to recording this podcast and these episodes. There is so much else happening in my life. I have, you know, different projects that I'm involved with. And obviously I see clients and there's other things happening that I need to give my attention to and actually want to give my attention to. So I have to be very selective. Initially, I had this intention to record these episodes weekly. And then I realized that actually it's just not possible for me to do that. I have an intention now to record one episode per month. And there have been months where I have missed an episode. And I used to think that it was because I wasn't committed enough. But it actually isn't true. I've come to realize that Nothing matters more than honoring my body's need for rest. Nothing matters more than aligning myself before I go out into the world and share from my wisdom, from my experience. Because if I do that without first aligning, then what I'm doing is I'm giving from an empty cup. So we need to get really good at listening to messages that are asking for rest, asking for exercise, asking for good nutrition, for space, for quietude, for closeness, for purpose and meaningful work, and for joyous play. When we keep dismissing these messages, we're basically saying, I'm not important. I'm not worthy. We treat ourselves in a similar way to perhaps how we were treated or how we perceived ourselves to be treated. Because as children, even though our parents did their best to love us, because of their lack of emotional availability, the perception that developed was that I'm not lovable. And so we do to ourselves what has been done to us and we do to others what has been done to us, right? So body awareness, body... Um, 
consciousness, you know, connection with the body and moving towards really familiarizing yourself with the sensations that are in your body are incredibly um, necessary for supporting emotional overwhelm, right? Even just things like becoming aware of the scary stories or the mental narratives that feed into the constant worry, you know, the self-criticism, the constant judgments, because often it's the thoughts that we have that, you know, contribute to the overwhelm that we experience. And so our nervous system is conditioned to always choose a comfortable hell over an uncomfortable heaven, right? Because you have to get uncomfortable in order to actually experience the state of ease, the state of rest, the state of peace within yourself. And what do I mean by that? When you sit with yourself initially, there's a lot of discomfort. There's a lot of sensations that you will notice in your body. There's a lot of perhaps even anxiety that may come up, frigidity that may come up, things that you just want to run away from and distract yourself from. So we have to be uncomfortable and embrace the discomfort to actually get to a place of safety in many ways from inside of ourselves. But often, because of the way our brain is wired, it's always going to seek what's comfortable, you know, what's in our comfort zone, as opposed to the thing that actually stretches us outside of our comfort zone, which in turn leads to growth. So vulnerability leads to growth. And I've said that before. And allowing ourselves to experience that um, vulnerability is really important when we're dealing with supporting emotional overwhelm. How can you change something if you don't first sit with it and support it? It's a bit like saying, I refuse to accept that you're here, <laughs> as opposed to, oh, I can see you're here. And so therefore, I'm going to do something to support you to change it, right? But to change something, you have to first acknowledge it. And often what we do very fast and quickly, and it's just on autopilot, is to try and get rid of it by straight away jumping into fixing mode. So when we turn inwards, when we return to the body and use the body as a way to feel those sensations and the discomfort that's there, what we're doing is we're supporting the overwhelm. We're emotionally tuning inwards towards it. And yes, again, it'll bring things up. It'll be very, very hard to do. That's why therapy is so good for that. Um, you know, in my sessions, for example, with clients, I do a lot of that. But that's necessary to get to the next stage, to get to the next thing, which will actually give you more energy to take some action, right? To take actual action. So I practice a lot of Qigong and martial arts. And one of the things that I do every single day is literally that, using that practice to connect with my body, to connect with my breath. And through that practice, 
increasing my body awareness. So we, even when there's overwhelm, the first thing I do is drop into my lower body, drop into my feet, drop into my legs, activate the awareness around that part of my body. Because when we feel overwhelmed, we're usually in our head. We're usually, you know, quite spacey. It's almost like we can't feel the body. So we need to get back into the body to become present. So you can ask yourself the following three questions. So the first thing is, like I said, identify where in the body you can feel the overwhelm, the tension, the agitation, the stress, whatever you want to call it. And make sure you actually cover the entire body from head to toe. And the second step is to describe what that feels like, right? So we're using everything we can think of in terms of descriptive words to bring our mind's attention to the present moment. So you can use adjectives and you can Google some um, somatic adjectives to online just to have uh, at hand that you can use. And the third step is to observe yourself. Go very slowly and ask yourself, what does it feel like? What does that feel like? So if I'm feeling tingling, what does that feel like? If I'm feeling tension, what does that feel like? If, if I'm feeling achy, what does that feel like? If I'm feeling you know tightness, what does that feel like? If I'm feeling you know, whether it's crushed or cramped or frozen or rigid or, you know, fidgety or um, if there's everything from shivering or pulsing or, you know, vibrating or wobbling. There's so many words you can use. Just describe it, right? That's the first thing that I encourage you to do is really what does that feel like? inviting deeper levels of awareness until you sense your body has registered your attention. And then you can start to look for feelings of safeness, you know, as you tune in a sense of compassion for yourself and awareness of your complexity, you know, that life can be really overwhelming and life can be really you know, difficult to sometimes juggle and it can get a bit much for my nervous system. And, you know, it makes me feel very vulnerable. It makes me feel all kinds of emotions. And that's the thing that I'm trying to run away from. So that's what my brain wants to warn me um, about or it, it happens very quickly, right? These are not conscious stuff. This is very much on below the conscious mind where in nanoseconds you've shut off and you're no longer present you're disconnecting you know and focusing completely on what you think you have to do to get rid of something and fix something so that's when the anxious mind takes over so we want to look for markers that we're on track fluctuations in bodily arousal you know, like I said, feelings of safety, feelings that, you know what, okay, I'm dropping into myself, being able to choose to either approach what I'm feeling or avoid what I'm feeling and noticing that, you know, that I'm always choosing that. 
but the awareness actually gives you the power to be in charge of that choice as opposed to be completely unconscious of that choice. And as we start to give ourselves this gift of our undivided attention, this gift that we never really truly received as children, that presence, that emotional attunement, we send a message to these deeper places within us, basically saying, I matter. And from that place, we can begin to clarify who and what else matters to us, right? That's when we can start to really know who we actually are. Because when you open yourself up to the sensations inside of you and to the emotions that you experience, you know, you really start to get to the core of who you really are, you know, your authentic self. You will minimize the times that you drop back into your survival brain, you know, that is constantly up here in the head, in the mind, judging, analyzing, looking for threats, left, right, and center. So emotional overwhelm is basically giving us information about what's happening inside of us. It's not always because of, you know, what's happening outside of us. It's the thoughts that we have about what's happening outside of us. It's because we're looking at it from a perspective that is already depleted in many ways, right? That is faulty, inaccurate. So for example, I know for me, whenever I feel emotionally overwhelmed, it's because I feel alone and then fear takes over. And so being alone was something that was um, very triggering for me as a child. I was often left alone. I was often very alone with my feelings and emotions. I was abandoned physically as well as emotionally. So alone and the thought of being alone in anything or in life in general triggers that overwhelm for me, right? I start to feel like I'm the only one I can rely on. And that's, that's a lot. You know, if you think you're the only person you can rely on in life, then that's a pretty, you know, that's a scary belief. That's a sad belief, you know, that you can't rely on anybody else and that you only can rely on yourself. So that triggers fear. And fear, you know, tells me that there's something dangerous happening and it feels like a move, you know, a moving away. So that's also when I want to retrieve from the world. I want to move away from the world. And it's when your body goes into that sympathetic state where there's adrenaline, there's stress hormones, um, your heart is beating faster, you know, your blood is pumping um, your mind is racing, you basically just don't feel present and you don't feel safe, you know, and you feel agitated and basically the information that fear is giving you is that it's warning you that you're faced with this immediate threat to your safety and it tells you to act protectively, to escape whatever has triggered it and it hijacks every other feeling, right? And so you have to ask yourself, what does it make you want to do? So it motivates you to run away. What, where is the gift? Well, fear gives you the power to, 
really quickly mobilize to identify this you know the source of danger to to act quickly you know to escape so there is a gift in every emotion that we experience one of the other really powerful emotions is guilt guilt is relational we only feel guilty because we care and it's usually rooted in empathy even though it's not always accurate you know our sense of guilt is not necessarily always accurate it feels quite heavy and you know usually connected and related to friendships and friends and family and so on so what is the information that guilt is giving us that you have maybe hurt someone and their feelings matter to you that relationship matters to you you know it doesn't mean that perhaps if you did hurt them because of implementing a boundary or saying no and looking after yourself that their emotions are your responsibility or that what you did was necessarily wrong it just means that that particular relationship and that person is important to you right and it can also make us want to punish ourselves you know which isn't necessarily um healthy guilt so there's um different kinds of guilt and i've talked spoken about that in previous episodes but what matters is to focusing on you know what the gift is in this emotion well often guilt leads to a better relationship because you start to repair the wrongs that you have ignored and that can be either your relationship with yourself or your relationship with other people so what i want to leave you guys with in this episode is is an awareness of what contributes to emotional overwhelm what are some of the signs and symptoms of emotional overwhelm and how you can support it and so the biggest takeaway is to you know besides doing all the other stuff such as take getting time and space for yourself and going out to nature or you know making sure that you have some support around you the biggest takeaway is to connect with your body to really slow everything down and move towards the overwhelm as opposed to away from it get curious about the sensations in yourself because as you do this you're basically telling that little child within you that you're not alone this time you're not alone because you are with yourself whenever we brush off our inner experience as oh that's not a big deal or we blame it on things outside you know outside of us or the different circumstances in our lives which of course are always relevant but we nevertheless ignore and minimize what we're feeling and in our culture indifference to discomfort seems like strength and caring about pain seems like weakness we fear that we're going to lose our edge we're going to lose control we feel that maybe by paying attention to feelings we're being indulgent we're wasting our time there's no point in feelings but that's actually not true you can be neglectful by thinking things 
that discount what you feel. Some of the cognitive, you know, neglectful ways that we tend to go about life is denial, humor, minimizing, suppressing, rationalizing, and intellectualizing. And I see this all the time. And I've done all of it myself too. I spent so many years of my life masking my emotions. And often I wasn't even realizing that I was doing it. I would, I would bypass my anger with sadness and victim consciousness. Or I would do the opposite and actually bypass my sadness with anger. My fear of vulnerability with anger. My guilt with anger. And often it was frustration, it was tension, it was rigidity. So it wasn't necessarily a full-on blowout angry episode. It was just the anger that was suppressed inside of my body. So resistance to feeling is normal in our culture and it's become normal in our brain, you know. Defenses come with being human. And we need faith to lean toward discomfort. And I'm referring to faith in yourself, faith in life, faith in the universe, whatever you want to have faith in. We need to have some level of courage and trust and faith that, you know, I can bear this uncertainty. I can actually bear what's happening inside of me. I can be with this. It's safe for me to be with this, right? It's not comfortable. It's not wanted, but it's safe. I want to leave you guys with a quote from one of my favorite meditation teachers, Jack Cornfield where he says, free is not free from feelings, but free to feel each one and let it move on, unafraid of the movement of life. I love that. All right, everybody, that's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're interested in working with me, please visit mentalawakening.com.au. If you love this episode, please subscribe and leave a review as it will help more people to receive the information shared here. I look forward to speaking to you next time. Until then, take care, everybody. Bye for now.